Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. LaFondra looking to get caught side of Fon. LaFondra away from Davis. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Elm Park Royals preview podcast in association with the Reading Chronicle. As always, I am joined by Matt Joy. How are you doing, Matt? Yes, I'm good. Thank you, Matt. I was just about to say good afternoon, but we're not quite there yet. We're we're uh, earlier recording than normal. So good morning, Matt. Yes, I'm very well. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I mean, this will still probably go out at exactly the same time, so nobody will notice the difference. But uh, no, no, yes, no, good that. morning to you as well. It's, uh, you know, you feel fresher. Uh, there's more yes. energy in the room, um, or in, in our rooms. Multiple, <laughs> obviously, we're still doing this over Zoom. Um, it, the international break means that we haven't really spoken. Um, it, it was nice to get away from Reading, to be honest, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very intense sort of summer period, and it was a very intense, uh, you know, first was it five games of the season. Um, I mean, off the field, despite not a lot happening for a long time, it was you know a lot. A lot was going on. So, yeah, just to have that week away, I think, would have probably done the squad good. I think it would have probably done the, the fans good. There's a bit more positivity uh, with the, the end of the window. So, hopefully, everyone will be going going to the Medeski. Oh, sorry, sorry, going to the Select Klar Leasing Stadium tomorrow, not the Medeski, um, with, you know, a bit more optimism tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, as you say, those, those uh, transfers towards the end of the window has changed the look of the squad entirely really hasn't it yeah uh, i mean you know we, we there's a good mix i think in that in those signings you've got the experience through players like scott dan you've got you know the, the up and coming and you know junior Hall, like the up and coming talents of you know tom deli basharu there's a bit of everything i think the only thing missing is a striker i think that's you know pretty pretty obvious panovich you know when i spoke to him the other day admitted that but i think given the the restrictions given you know all of the, the stuff that went on over the summer the fact that we haven't lost anyone else and have managed to bring in six players each offering something to the squad i think actually shows that the club have, have managed to do very well on a a tight yeah tight budget and, and real restrictions but not perfect the window but certainly um certainly i think better than i was expecting it you know 
one stage maybe a month or so ago. Yeah, I mean, there were some murmurings after the press conference yesterday about maybe Reading can still add to the squad. I mean, there's some talk that the EFL won't let them and that um, we have too many players and we needed to sell someone before the deadline. Um, do you have any, like, can you shed any light on that? I think all that Paravic showed yesterday was, you, you know, that the club were still aware. He said, you know, at this point, given the, the restriction or the, you know, the financial difficulties clubs across the country are facing, there's actually more free agents. There's a bigger pool at the moment than he said, you know, that he can ever remember. So, you know, he wouldn't be saying that if it, there wasn't a, a bit of interest in looking elsewhere. Any deals would have to go through, obviously, the EFL and go through um, all of their you know, all their protocols and, and what have you. But I think there is a possibility. Um, and I think it, it would only be probably one arrival and it would be a striker if someone, you know, could come in and fit the bill that, that Paunovic requires on on the budget that he has at his disposal. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of interested by uh, is that fans now seem to be saying, well, this is Paunovic's squad. He's had a transfer window. Um, and now... It, you know, he doesn't really have any excuses because he's built a squad. It, to me, personally, it doesn't necessarily feel like this squad is in Paunovic's image. And I know that there was a lot put out by the club about the fact that Paunovic has been really involved, or not put out by the club, sorry, but talked about that mm. Paunovic has been involved in the conversations. But I think what was revealing yesterday is that it, it, it sounded like he was still talking to those new signings about like club philosophy and like what he's expecting from them. Um, do you think that these are signings that Reading have almost stumbled into, or do you think that there, there was a plan and they've executed the plan? I think there was a plan to a degree. I mean, you know, Panovic said that one thing that the club had been lacking was a bit of experience, as, uh, you know, and the, the signings of Scott Dan uh, and Junior Hoyle shows that, you know, that's what they were looking at. There's a bit more experience in, in you know the areas of the, the club that there's not a huge amount whether the six players who came you know through the door would have been the first six on Panovic's list we know that's not the case because you know Kadeem Harris was a player that Panovic was very keen on couldn't get that over the line straight away so you know went on to other targets so I think everyone that come has come in Panovic would have been happy with and um you know it, all the stuff about talking about the culture, I think that was very much just the case. And as they were, you know, embedding in over the last couple of weeks, they've been very involved in talking about, you know, the aims, how he wants to play, this and that. So, and you'd probably get that, you know, managers, I'm sure they'll do that across the country. And I don't think, I think that might just have been something that Panovic said and maybe shouldn't be looked at too much. But going back to your original point, I don't think that these six players would have been, as I said, the, the number one choices. Apologies, I've just had an email if you've heard that. Um, but I think that, Panovic will be happy, and I'm sure he had some sort of yeah, influence, more than some sort, I would have thought, uh, on those players that he did manage to get in. Yeah, I'm not trying to say that it's like a terrible thing or anything, that we're only discussing club philosophy now. It just it seemed to fly at odds with what, you know, Panovic being the central point person for everything. Like, you would have thought that he would have had those discussions at the point where they were signing rather than at the point when they turned up for training. Um, but who knows? I mean, I've never been in a football transfer, yeah. so <laughs> uh, like be... I said, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair of me to go. I mean, some managers may do it differently without being, you know, in a fly on the wall in those rooms. I would have no idea, to be honest. 
Yeah, and um, I really don't want to go back and touch on Huddersfield too much. But one thing that was very interesting, again, from the presser yesterday was, uh, I don't want to say Pauno threw people under the bus because he didn't name any names, but he did mention that there were some players who might not have had their heads completely on that game and were looking at the transfer window. I, mm. do, we, do we have any inkling who he's talking about there? Because to me, there's no obvious names. I think the one player that we know that there has been interested in uh, has been Josh Laurent. You know, Forrest were interested um, and they did make an approach which was rebuffed. There was a couple of other uh, unnamed clubs who were, I think they were essentially waiting for uh, for Forrest to have a bid accepted and they were going to then match it or, you know, go above it. So I think he was definitely, uh, you know, I, and I've got that on good, good information that that's the case. So perhaps Josh Laurent, although I wouldn't, like to say that he was distracted and I think it's fair to you know assume any players were distracted if there was a player that may have been thinking you know someone might come in my guess would be it would be Lauren more than anyone but I'm not blaming him for the performance at all I think you can blame everyone who played because there was no there was no real leading lights that day but it was a fair point and I think you know he could have also been alluring to the fact that you know interest could have come in late in the window and you know if you're if you're a player and you, you've just lost you know four you know four nil away from home um you're gonna be thinking right <laughs> do i this is a tough situation and this was at the point obviously before you know a few new new arrivals came in you'd be thinking if something comes in would a certain you know player or two without naming names have been tempted maybe we don't know and uh, might have been best for their careers so i think there's a bit of it bit of all of that sort of amalgamated into one but um as you said that's a couple of weeks uh, ago now, and obviously get a win tomorrow, and that'll be long forgotten. Oh, let's let's not get. Our hopes I'm not up saying too high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I would love a win tomorrow. Let's let's not. Uh, don't get me wrong, but um, so now, yeah, coming on to that game, obviously we've got those six new players, and Pounder kind of hinted that a lot of them would be involved in some way at least. Um, yeah. Baba Roman has been off with. Ghana um, with Andy Yeardom, but mm-hmm. it does feel like there are no other options at left back. So I'm assuming to see him. Um, who else are you expecting to see um, from the start, and then maybe involved later on? I think the 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 two I'd say that I would be most confident of starting would probably be uh, Tom Demi Basharu and. Maybe even Alan Halalovic, actually. It might be three. Basically, those three new signs, I think they've had the longest to embed with the squad, get their match fitness up, which is, again, something Panovic mentioned in his, um, you know, in his press conference. He, he wanted to see be a better fitness, and a lot of players had to get up to that level. Um, so maybe we might not see players like Drinkwater and um, Dan from the start. I think if I was going to say two players that were missing out, I'd probably suggest it maybe them as they sort of build their fitness up. Um, Rahman... I would agree that if you've got him at his disposal, at your disposal, he's fit and he's obviously you know fit enough to go and play for uh, you know his country. He's match fit enough to go to go out there and you know good on him for doing so. You would have thought that he will be you know brought in, um, but I, I would have expected probably three or four from the start, and I'd be maybe one not in the in the squad. But I think that's all sort of guesswork at this point, um, and. Liam Moore has been away with Jamaica. Um, he didn't have a particularly great game, it must be said, against Panama. Um, but what 
I mean, Pauno has, again this week, and he did before Huddersfield, been banging on about the defence and coaching the mm. defence. If Liam Moore has missed the majority of the last two weeks, are we still expecting him to be in the starting eleven, Or do you think that that will cause him to drop to the bench? I think the fact is now that Panovic has the option to do either, which I know is a bit of a politician answer. and It's, it's not really giving you maybe what you want, but I think the good thing is he can now do both. And, he, he you know, if Scott Dan is fit, he could, you know, maybe give Liam Moore a game out of the you know firing line because he's had a tough start to the season. Um, you know, I'm sure he would admit it himself, but he is still a good player. There is a good player in there. So maybe he just needs a, a little bit, you know, a little bit of time off, or maybe the fact that now he knows that he's got another, you know, body in that position, he might now think, okay, there's less pressure on me. I can perhaps play with a bit more, uh, a bit more confidence and a bit more, you know, assuredness. Because I thought sometimes against against Huddersfield, especially, you know, he'd have no one around him, and the touch would be so poor that it would immediately be closed down. It's just you think, just calm down. So maybe, maybe it might be a good idea to rest him. Um, I think if Dan was fit, I would be tempted to do so. Although Michael Morrison against Huddersfield was probably arguably better, but it's not much of an improvement. It was both of them were particularly poor, I thought. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure. I would probably, having said that, I don't think Scott Dan will be 100% fit. I think Liam Moore will probably start despite being away. Obviously, you know, he knows Morrison very well. They've should have played together for a long time. I don't think he's going to forget that in two weeks. So I would have thought he'll play, but. You know, it's nice that he has the option now, Panovic, fitness dependent to maybe switch things around a bit. Yeah, and I should say, like, in some ways, it's not even about Liam Moore's personal performances. Just like, obviously, if you want to concentrate on something over the international break, it's mm. helpful for those players to be there. Um, there's mm. lots of managers who would rest players coming back from Jamaica, however they've played. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's one that... We'll find out tomorrow. As you say... I, imagine, I cannot imagine Spurs are going to rest Harry Kane this weekend, though, however. Not that Liam Moore's you know, quite the same as Harry Kane, but you know, I think... No, I can't imagine that. But also, I don't think he's done quite as many air miles, to be fair. That's no, that's, a, that's also a good point. That's also a good point. Maybe, maybe he got on another family holiday without us knowing. We don't know. Yeah, although Kane did play three matches and Liam Moore, because of everything going on, only played one. Um, he wasn't really allowed to play in the other two Jamaican mm. matches, so... Yeah, there is that. Um, so, I mean, are we? We're hoping for a better performance. I'm not sure. Like personally, I'm not necessarily expecting. Well, I, I would be very disappointed to lose four nil again. Um, mm. Do we think that this is sort of last chance saloon for Pauno? Like this, this up to the next international break, where a lot of people have already said it. Gomez mm. had this time, and then he was moved on. Are, he needs to perform now, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I've been on here for the last year, over a year now, and you know, been supporting Banovic most weeks. There's no excuse to the start of the season. You know, he has had injuries to contend with. Obviously, that's not helped. Difficult summer. You have to put in all those things. Um, but if it was a case of you know Reading had just been beaten by better sides, I don't think we'd necessarily be you know talking in the same way we are. The fact is that. A lot of the performances um, have been really, really, really poor. I mean, the start of the Bristol City game when we went 2-0 down, Huddersfield, I thought the second half against Coventry, late on against Stoke, you could maybe say, Swansea in the Cup, all of which you can't necessarily blame on you know, a, a lack of a pre-season or 
this and that. The fact is you've got 11 players and the majority of whom had played for the club last year. And they've just been so, so much poorer. You know, they've just not been at that level that they were, especially at the start of last year. And Panovic has said that this is, we've got the rest of the season now, no more excuses. We've had the break. We've got some new faces in. He was, you know, full of positivity and full of, you know, seemed to be confidence that he could turn this round. Um, but I think, yeah, if you, you know, I don't know the exact date in the next international break, but I think it's next month. If you get to that point where, you know, you might have got one one more win and maybe one more draw, you're going to really start thinking, okay, you know, you've got to weigh it up what Panovic has done and what he's currently doing. And I think the latter might take over um, should the results not, not improve. And yeah, I, I, must, I must admit, I uh, could not be more hopeful that he does get it right um, because I, I'm a massive fan of him as a bloke. He's always been, you know, very... People might not necessarily agree with some of the stuff he says and some of how he, you know, words things after matches, but he's always been, you know, very personable, decent, and he, he seems very, very committed to the job. Uh, it just hasn't worked out so far this year. So I really, really hope we do get it right uh, under Paolo because I, I do then think if he does go, who's going to come in and, you know, who are really going to be able to attract um, with the, the, you know, all the stuff behind the scenes? And they'll instantly come in and you know do a job. I'm sure there are names that could fill the bill, but off the top of my head, I can't think of that many. Yeah, and looking at the fixture list, it really needed to be a good start to the season because it is an uphill battle from now. We do start to face some of the, you know, better teams at least on paper. Um, although you know, Pauno did pull it out of the bag a few times last season, so fingers crossed that. That's yeah, I happened. think just. Just on that, I did look at, I can't remember the again, the, the Zach positionings without having a league table ahead of me, but I think all the away games so far this year, we've played teams who are in the top half. Uh, and I think we've played, the majority of those teams that we have played so far this year, we have played from the top half. And I think I could be mistaken, but I believe that Preston are the only team currently in the bottom half that we've actually played already and we won. So as much as you say, you know, it was a, an easy start, we have played teams who may not on paper have looked like, you know, promotion contenders, but Barnsley didn't, you know, last year. So you never know who could make those shock uh, shock surges. So that's not an excuse, but it's maybe just something, a little caveat, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I take your point. I just, let's Google the league table quickly. But um, obviously, if Bristol I... City hadn't won, they wouldn't have been in the top half. Coventry, if they hadn't won, they wouldn't have been in the top half. So, very true. Reading, very true. Reading losing to them contributes to, the, to them being in their position. Um, yeah, no, very true. But again, you could say that for any league position. No, obviously, no, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, but earlier on in the season, obviously, it has more of an impact. Yes, um, of course. Individual games. But yes, Um Let's not dwell on the past. Let's look to the future, Matt. And I would like to hear your score prediction for tomorrow. I'd be honest. I can't. I don't. I can't bring myself to say Reading will win. Uh, I don't think without, we've got enough time to completely turn around everything. I think it'll be a work in progress. I'm going to say I'm hopeful that Reading will get a draw, and I'll, I'll say I'll say a one-all draw because I think that's the, the go-to scoreline when you don't really know. And I could have probably said that for a lot of games this year, but. I'm, I'm hopeful that having having spoken to Paolo yesterday, just basing it on the optimism that he's gave me, I'm going to go for a draw. Well, QPR have won their last two games 2-0, and I can see that being the scoreline again tomorrow. So I'm going to go with a 2-0 loss, 
which is yeah half I'm... the scoreline of last match. So that would be positive. <laughs> yeah, constant improvements. That's what yeah. it's all about. Well, then the next game you'll be drawing nil nil, and then maybe we'll stop turning it round. So, as you say, just you know, just edging towards the goal, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why not start edging towards it on in the sixth game? Why not? <laughs> why why start at the you know beginning of the season? Well, we yeah. did it under McDermott that year. We went up, didn't we? We were, we were terrible in the first six games, and then turned it around. Yeah, I think- from then, so I could argue that I think the league may have been a bit weaker back then as well, but that's a, that's a question for another day. Uh, and we weren't playing; we're not playing four four two now, and we that's... don't have Jimmy Kebbe at the moment, so that's obviously yeah. another. Well, you don't know how good Alan Hilalovic will end up being. That's the. I must admit, just just before I presume we'll yeah we'll be shooting off. But just one thing on Alan Hilalovic, I thought his very brief cameo against uh, Huddersfield it might not make. You know, you mean a lot, but I do remember he put in a, a set piece, which Morrison, I don't know how he didn't put it home. But I must admit, I saw that and thought, that was that was decent. <laughs> like, there's there's something there. Yeah, so he seemed to be all right. Yeah. On a on a pretty bad day, he was a bright spark. And uh, yeah, let's, let's not talk about that Morrison miss, because it, it hurts me that it was almost exactly the same as Pearson scoring. It, like very similar scenarios yeah. and it just kind of summed up the entire I day. Must admit, I must admit I was I was next to a chap from, from Huddersfield up there and I think at that point I, I I was annoyed at two and three nil and I think when it had gone to four I just now, because the guy I was sat next to was a very, very funny guy. We had just got to the point where we were now laughing uh, and then when that miss went in, I just put my hands, head in my hands and started laughing. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. That's yeah, about right. Yeah, no. I mean, do it at 4-0, I guess. It's not Exactly, nil. yeah. No, exactly. But on that note, we'll end the podcast. Well, we'll we'll <laughs> move on to the next bit of the podcast where I talk to Clive from Lock for Words about QPR. Thanks very much, Matt. My pleasure. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm here with Clive from Loft for Words. Uh, How are you doing, Clive? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Well, from a football perspective, things could be better. But from a life, you know, the sun's shining this week. It's, it's not been too bad, I guess. International break means I haven't had to worry about anything. So, uh, but but for you, QPR, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, things are going pretty well. Yeah, it's like the exact opposite of this time last year, right? When you'd won your first seven games and we were, well, not bottom, but not far off. Yeah, no, started really well. Had a good summer. Um picked up all the loan players that we'd had last year on permanence, which I didn't think we'd be able to do um, for budget reasons and have made six signings on top of that, all of them good and haven't had to sell um, anybody this summer, like having lost Freeman and Smithies and Eze and people like that for money over the previous summers. We haven't had to do that. Uh, it's pretty obvious that they're they're going to try and have a go at it this year, whether that they're going to be successful or not. I don't know, but it's been, it's been, it's been fine so far. Yeah. I mean, how important do you think your transfer business has been in a year where other clubs have not been able to spend as freely? 
Yeah, we've timed um, we've timed our recovery quite well. Um, I think for the last few years, whenever I've done these things with Oppo fans, I've been saying you you may remember us from such films as Mark Hughes' Trolley Dash and Harry Redknapp's Trolley Dash and the FFP breach and the biggest fine ever levied in world sport and all of that horrible stuff when we were everything that was wrong with football. Um, and it's taken a long time to recover from that and get your wage bill from 80 million a year to 18 million a year. Um, and it's been a bit of a grueling watch during that period. The team hasn't been very good and it's gone through quite a few managers and it, it hasn't been a particularly pleasant experience to be a fan, particularly if you're following them home and away. It's been a bit of a drag. Um, but the chief executive we've got, who we, we got him from Burnley, on the back of what he'd done there, really, uh, did always say all the way through other clubs that at the moment, and when he was talking, I guess he was talking about like Birmingham, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, Forest, um, trying to think of others that come to mind, but clubs that were just spending silly money, chucking money after money, trying to get to the Premier League. Is that if this will happen to them, they will all have to go through this, and hopefully, as they're when they're at the start of the the bloodletting, will be at the end. And it feels a little bit like that um, since sort of the middle of last season when we brought in the four loans in January. Um, just at the point when the rest of the division's having problems and there's transfer embargoes and stuff going on at Derby and Blackburn, Reading, obviously, we're actually, for once, in a pretty financially healthy state. Um, so, yeah, um, they've gambled a little bit, I think, this summer. Um, but we've got sellable assets in the team now. So if we weren't to go up, you would be able to get some reasonably big money for Rob Dickey, Seni Dieng, chair Willock Dykes maybe um and that hasn't been the case for a long time you know we sold Freeman and he was the best player in the team we sold Eze and he was the outstanding player in the team the outstanding player of two or three and now we've got four or five sellable assets so it's taken us six or seven years to get here but we seem to have timed it quite well yeah I'm trying not to see the parallels between what you've gone through and what we're currently going through because I think there probably are more than some Reading fans would like to admit but um yeah, I mean, Rob Dickey, another parallel between Reading and QBR. All I see is him banging in goals from about 30 yards. Is is that all he does or is he actually no. quite a good defender as well? Yeah. I mean, I can't see that lasting. Um, he's, uh, he's really upsetting the, um, the XG enthusiasts because um, I think on the XG league table, we're about 18th. Um, because your centre-half having a go from 35 yards counts as like 0.01 in the XG, or something, so I'm told anyway. Um, so no, I doubt that's going to continue. I hope it does. But uh, no, he's fantastic. Um, probably must be up there as one of the best centre-backs in this league now. Um, we're a little bit worried about him at the start uh, with a lack of pace. Um, and as players sort of cut in around him because of that he had this sort of tick where he would grab them by the shoulder here like with the shirt and uh gave away a penalty and got sent off at Barnsley early last year for doing that and probably at Coventry as well should have it should have been the same but as he's played more at this level and the coaching and whatever he's just gone from strength to strength we switched to a back three in January which 
he's adapted to really well and it suits Johan Barbe a lot better. Um, so, yeah, he's confident and looks absolutely brilliant, to be honest. Like, I can't imagine there's a defender in this league playing much better than he is. Um, the goals are obviously a nice bonus on top of that for your centre-back. Yeah, and I mean, talking of goals and saleable assets by the sounds of it, Lyndon Dykes, I think I think you should really thank us because he seemed to be going through a bit of a spell last season oh, yeah, where he yeah. didn't score. And then he scores against Reading and he just can't stop. Is he good? Again, same question. Is he good now? Like It's, it's usually QPR that do that to people. If someone hasn't scored for 100 games or whatever, you can guarantee. If you've got someone like that, then we're usually good for... Um, Good for one of those. I'm still haunted by us letting Sonny Aluko score from 30 yards at yours the other year. It's like every dog has its day, I guess. Um, nice goal, that one, too, as well. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, Lyndon Dykes, I don't know, still splits opinion, very raw. Um, you know, his background was essentially playing non-league football in Australia. You know, one of his teams was called Surfers Paradise Apollo, which kind of tells you sort of what level he was at and then at Queen of the South and you know we know the criticism that Scottish football gets then at Livingston and then from there into the championship and to be honest at the start albeit the team wasn't playing very well um it looked a little bit much for him the step up in level and honestly you can look at there's a thread on our message board right now because he scored again for Scotland last night and scored two goals for Scotland this week um there's still very divided opinion on how good he is, whether he'll make it, whether he's even that good for us. Because um, he is very, very basic and raw. Um, but you cannot argue his record um, is, what, 10, 11 goals and three assists in 14 games in his last 14 appearances for us, like you say, starting with that goal at Reading, before which I don't think he'd scored in 23 games. Um so, yeah, maybe it's just someone that's taken time to adapt to level and he'll keep getting better and better. Charlie Austin coming in seemed to be a big help for him. Um, gave him tips and they built up a bit of a partnership and they seemed to sort of bounce off at each other quite well. Um, so, yeah, looking really promising at the minute. Some of his, his, some of his finishing now compared to at the start is just unrecognisable. Yeah, I mean, if you'd seen him in the Euros, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think he's that type of player... Well, as you guys say, you'd probably think he's an Australian non-league player. But yeah, I mean, his, his goal for Scotland midweek, the penalty was a bit dodgy. I'll go, I'm not sure. His penalty, take, his, penalty take, his penalty taking is basically stand up and hit it as hard as you can. Um, uh, he missed one against Norwich at the end of last year, missed against Cambridge in pre-season. And that probably should have been saved last night against Austria, if we're being honest. So it might be time to let Charlie go back on the penalties, I think. But yeah, you know, if you're the goalkeeper, you know what's coming. He's just going to hit it as hard as he can, probably not that far away from you. Yeah, so uh, we've named two. I mean, who else in your team is kind of exciting you at the minute? Chris Willock. Chris Willock, um, old Arsenal trainee, one of the many Willocks that are kicking around, went to Benfica and we got him from there. Um, basically to replace Bright say Samuel, who wasn't going to renew his contract, although there was some overlap there where we had both. Um, but that's basically, that was the thinking. He had a year settling in last year and was looking good at the end of last season. Just looks really brilliant now. Um, the style that Warburton plays, the style of football and how attacking we are, um, means we're a really good team to play for if you're a player like that. And him and Ilias Chair playing the withdrawn attacker roles 
either off Dykes with a third one of those or off Austin and Dykes. And the combination's really good. And having one of them on one side and one of them on the other makes it difficult for teams to double up on them. Um, so when one of them plays and the other one doesn't, you really notice a, a difference. They can get crowded out of games, but when they play together, it's a lovely uh, it's a lovely combination. Um, Ilias Chair, we, we presume... Warburton often doesn't pick players when they've come back from international duty. Um, so whether Dykes will actually play on Saturday, I'm unsure. Whether Chair plays on Saturday, I don't know, because he played one game for Morocco, but was then meant to play Guinea this week, got to Guinea, and there was a military coup, which you know, stuff that happens to QPR. Um, but he did come back yesterday. Whether he'll play or not, I don't know. But when him and Willett play, it's a, it's a nice combination. And Steph Johansson, never really a player that I'd noticed too much at Fulham. I guess when it's Fulham, over the past few years, it's been like going to the Tom Kearney show, hasn't it? You know, it's all, you know, you pay your ticket and watch Tom Kearney and Tom Kearney does this and all the commentators talk about Tom Kearney and you don't really notice anybody else. Um, and I can't say that I'd ever notice Stefan Johansson. Um, but he's been unbelievable since he came to us and we are a thousand times better with him in the team than without. Um, and you, I think last season was the first time in about eight years that he hadn't either won the league or qualified for the playoffs. Like in his last year in Norway, won the league, obviously won the league all three years. He was with Celtic. Um, two promotions with Fulham, one failed playoff attempt with West Brom and then one season with QPR. So he obviously he's obviously a, a hell of a player and he's made a big difference as well. And um, you mentioned style of football there. What what kind of style are QPR playing? Like you look at the possession stats and you're kind of mostly dominating the ball. I mean, even against Coventry, you had 60% possession and they tend to, you know, want to keep it. So is, is that the kind of football you play or is it is yeah. that kind of deceiving? Yeah, Coventry are like QPR light, I think. They're, sort of, they're going to be, they're trying to do, they play exactly the same back three wing backs and the same style. It was actually quite an interesting game. And I think we were fairly fortunate to come out of that with a 2-0 because um, they were they were much better than us in the first half, had some great chances. So, which has kind of been the story of the season, really. All the games on another day could have gone the other way. Um, yeah, style of back three, wing backs, ball on the floor almost always, although we have adapted in, in certain circumstances and gone a bit more direct and long. Um, the idea that Warburton doesn't have plan B has rung true on occasions, but not really. He's been more adaptable formation and style-wise than I thought. But yeah, lots of... Uh, they work their way up the lines in triangles. We do most of our attacking down the left. You'll see, I presume it's going to be Sam McCallum from left wing back because I think Lee Wallace is still injured. But the goal that we scored at Reading last year, the Dykes goal, is a very, very typical QPR goal where the left wing back is the furthest man up the pitch and combines with Willock and Chair to sort of overload the left and then cut it back from the byline to a queue of people. That's, we score that goal a lot. Um it does kind of leave the wing backs exposed a little bit, particularly on the right side when you're so lopsided to the left. You know, people can get in at Odebajo and overload him quite easily. But I guess that's the trade-off um, that you accept. Um, you said that the games could have gone either way. So are you not really expecting this run of form to continue? Like, where do you think you're going to end up in the table um, after 46 games? I think we'd. Be, I thought we would be in the playoffs this year. I think I went for fifth, and I will stick with that at the moment. Um, 
Millwall came on very strong on the opening day, opening half an hour was a bit of a blitz. Uh, and then we came back into it and, and got a draw out of that. Hull, um, 3-0 and we were the better team, but there was a 10 minutes after half time where we only survived because of a great save from Dieng and a ridiculous goal line clearance from Dickey. Middlesbrough absolutely blitzed us for the first 15 minutes and went 1-0 up. But after that, we were the better team and won that game away from home despite playing the whole second half with 10 men. Um, Barnsley um, took us apart for, well, at least half an hour. Then we made two subs and they were, they were still the better team after that. But then weirdly decided that they were going to basically declare it 2-0 and try and waste time through the whole second half. And we came on really strong and got a point out of that. And... Like I say, Coventry were good to start with, and we but we ended up being the better team there and winning that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw a tweet last week saying, you know, look at the XG, QPR can't possibly sustain this. And I guess, you know, that might turn out to be true. Maybe we will fall back in line with that. Or, you know, just as likely the XG comes back up the other way to meet us. Um, I hate talking about XG so much. It's just, it's been a talking point this week on our message board about whether it's bollocks or not, basically. So... That's why it's sort of uh, front and centre of mind. Um, I mean, we're not going to go unbeaten the whole season, are we? So maybe that maybe it'll come to an end this weekend. But there's, there's no, you know, since the turn of the year, um, I think only Man City have won more games than QPR in the whole league. Um, you know, Jordi Device has only lost twice since he arrived here and he came in January. I think Stefan Janssen's only lost five games out of the... 25 odd he's played so it's not like we've just started this season well it's carried on from January and even in pre-season we beat Man United and uh, drew with Leicester it's gone out of my mind but we were beating Leicester right up until the end I think we ended up drawing 3-3 so it's not it's not just started over the last five games. Yeah, the XG discussion is something that we had many times at the beginning of last season and I, I guess it came back to bite us a bit toward the end. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, we still finished seventh. So uh, that's a much better season than people thought we were going to have at the beginning of that season. So, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Um, I guess we will move on to the last question, the most important question. And that is, uh, what is your score prediction? <laughs> I think I told you last time my score predictions were always rubbish. Um, and then I think I got the Reading one right. I'll have to go back and, and look. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say because it'll just curse it. But I do. Are you, if we come back, if we if we can come back from the international break as we did last year, we had this weird stat last year where every time we had to play a game after we played a midweek game, we were appalling. I think backing up last year, I think we won four out of the fourteen or fifteen games that came after a midweek. But if we had a break of eight days or more, we were unbeaten in eight or nine games. I think. Um, so with that in mind and how we've started and how Reading have started, I've got a fancy as, haven't I? But as soon as I say that, it means it won't happen. So that's as, that's as far as I'm willing to go. Let me, I'll say a draw, but I do, I do fancy us. I mean, by the sounds of it, given that the other teams have come out strongly in the first 15 and Reading don't do that and then QPR go into a game, uh, it could be pretty bad, especially coming off a Huddersfield four 0 loss for us. So be, I, that will be interesting. Like I was, I didn't, I was down at the club doing interviews yesterday and spoke to the QPI head of recruitment, and we got into the XG debate about how much attention he pays to it and whatever. 
and whether he's worried that we're low in that um, so far this season. Um, and he said, actually, if you look at the second half, <laughs> it goes like that. We're so if you, yeah, if you don't start strong and we do that, that would be a first this season. But yeah, we do tend to come on real strong in the second half. So we've made a big impact off the bench. So, like I say, I fancy us, but because I fancy us, that means probably what happened. Well, I mean, you haven't seen Reading. They're not very good this season, but we have made a whole bunch of uh, transfers just as the window closed to will presumably play some kind of part. Um, I, I, I mean, you've won the last game, a uh, couple of games, 2-0. I think one of those was in the cup. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was another 2-0 to QPR, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I just... Uh, any any other scoreline would probably be more optimism than realism on my behalf. So, um, yeah. I'm always nervous, though, when it's like this. Like it's not, it's not very QPR to go into a game confident it never it never goes well <laughs> yeah and as as i said i think last time um we spoke we're not on tv again and i just it's just not right to have a a hoop derby on a 3 p.m on a saturday it's just not the way that sky normally does things but <laughs> times are changing and i guess we will change with them uh well clive thank you very much for talking to us um i don't want to wish you luck because i think you, <laughs> i don't think that qpr need it to be perfectly honest but um Maybe good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, mate, and you.